Yes, Lord. You are our Father. You've called us, elected us, indwelt us by your Spirit, gave your Son, removed our sins, put our name in your book, guide us with your eye, care about us continually. The hairs on our head are numbered. Our footsteps are ordered. We are seated in heavenly places. We are forgiven, walking in grace, called by your name. Plus all the material things, our friends, our families, our food, our refrigerator, our bed, our shower, our toothpaste, so much, God. Our cars work, we have gasoline, we have freedom. Our minds are working in some measure, our eyes and ears, and on and on, Lord. For this is your will that in everything we would give thanks. We praise you and thank you for this family. Worldwide, we are sisters and brothers with a family named in heaven and on earth. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow. Uh, I want to give you a little theology lesson, okay? Very simple, but something you can tuck away in your heart and mind. It's called ontology. Okay, this is a theological term for the science of being, ology, the science of being, okay? Um, before there was a, ever a bicycle, was there a time when there was no bicycles? Yes. But where did it come from? It was in somebody's mind, okay? So this is what we would call essence, essence of a bicycle. What did he have in his mind? If I take two wheels and put, a, put them in a frame and I have a sprocket and pedals and a seat and we can balance and ride the bicycle, we have a bicycle. That's what the guy, however it evolved, I don't know how it, it came into existence. Historically, I don't know that, but anyway, was in somebody's mind to make one, or the Wright brothers, or the airplane, or however it was, whatever. The computer, many kinds of things that have been invented. But before they were invented, they were in the mind of somebody. Eventually, it came into their mind. So that's called essence, what it is. Number two, existence. When a bicycle is made, it exists. You bring it into time and space, it exists. So um, there is a bicycle. Where? Where is it? They made it in Europe. It, there is such a thing. They exist. Okay. They bring it here, and then you have presence. The bicycle is in your presence. You can see it, touch it. Now, what's the meaning of this? I want to ask you a question. Before you existed, number two, before you were born, did you, were you somewhere? Where were you? You didn't exist. In one sense, you aren't anywhere, but in another sense, where are you? In the mind of God. When did he foreknow you? When did he know you? Before. When did Jesus die? Before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13. You want to turn there? Revelation 13. No, you're, you're, you didn't exist in your soul Mormons teach that, that your soul existed in eternity past, but we don't teach that. 
we say that when your physical body and when your physical body was being formed in your womb, in your mother's womb, as so your soul also, soul and body. And when you came into existence in the womb, then uh, that's when your soul developed with your body. Uh, so uh, just that's a side point. But look at chapter 13, verse um, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Actually, everything that exists today has already been in God's mind, known that he knows it all. He knows the end from the beginning. You know that scripture, knowing the end from the beginning. There's nothing new to him. All right, so what about your life? He wants you to know that before the foundation of the world, his son actually was offered up as a sacrifice for us, that we would be redeemed and in him forever. It is playing out now in this world in existence that you exist and that one day you accepted Christ, one day you put your trust in him and you believed in him. And then he says, he says in this beautiful understanding of John 15, 16, he said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. So what is this? mean to us that we have a depth to our understanding about life that transcends our life. It goes beyond time and space. We are seated in the heavenlies, it says in Ephesians 2. We are accepted in the beloved. Our name is in the book of life. We are secure in him. We are saved by his grace. Now notice up on the board, one more thing. In your life, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God and he brings into your presence the nature of God. We actually have the presence of God in our life by the Holy Spirit. And that means he wants us to know him in our life. In our life, he wants to be present in our life, that we would walk with him and know him personally. So if you think about this uh, bicycle that came into the room and is present, not only was it in somebody's mind, but they built it and then they brought it here. And in a way, God would like us to know the Father has already known us. The Son came into time and space so that we could see him. We could read about him in the gospel. We would be worshipers of him. We would say, where was he living? In Galilee. What did he say? He said this. Where did he go? He went to the cross. Where is the tomb? It's empty. There it is. It's empty. Well, I would like that in my life. Could he come into my life? And yes, I send the Holy Spirit. The Father and I send the Holy Spirit to whoever believes. And now we are believers that are walking in in that which God has in his mind, you know, presenting to us and that we are decision makers in this life. That he draws us, but he cannot control us. Like he, he can, of course, can control us, but he loves to have us free. We are free. 
to disagree or to rebel or to sin or to get angry or upset or walk away from him. And then he comes back and he says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Though your sin abounds, my grace more abounds. I want you to know me. I'm not like a man. If you hurt me, I'm not going to turn away from you. I pity you like a father he does his child in Psalm 103. I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. But I will draw you with the cords of a man. Remember Hosea saying that? I will draw you with the cords of a man. I will take the yoke off your jaws and I will present food to you. And I will draw you with my love, with everlasting love. So all the time, the plan is really, we are rebellious sinners, and many times we are afraid of God, and many times we're consumed with ourselves, and then we see him and realize his way is better than my way. And to be connected with the almighty God who knows all things, and loves us with an everlasting love is the way to live my life and be submitted to him. Because there's another thing in the picture, and that is that is in in life the better way is to find to know his mind and relate to his mind as quickly as it heartily as I can to know his mind and be submitted to his mind. I would like to know his dogma, his doctrine. I'd like to know what he says. I want to know what he thinks. I want to be drawn to him because his way is better than our way. Okay, that's Second Timothy 4, 2. Let's finish with that. Turn to Second Timothy with me. I hope this builds you up. Is it? Hey, you went to church today to learn something. What do you think about that? Come on. I'm me too. Wow, come on. Chapter 4, verse um, 2, 3, and 4. Preach the word. That's a beautiful thing, to go to church and hear the word. Amen? Amen. Preach the word. Where, where does it say that in the Bible? We, our pastor who founded this church, he would quote the chapter in the verse so that somebody listening to him speak, and they could say, where's that in the Bible? And then he would say, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, or Ephesians 1, verse 3. Turn in your Bible and read it, and you study your Bible. And you learn your Bible. And you learn every page of this book. Amen? Like little by little. It might take 20 years, but hey, why not relate to his mind? God's mind, right? Okay, let's read. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Be available when it's appropriate and when it doesn't necessarily fit. Be sharing the word, preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering, a lot of patience, and doctrine. There's the key word. I want you to really remember this. Doctrine is a word we use around here quite a bit. The doctrine. Well, I don't want to have doctrine. Well, Reality is connected with the mind of God. I want God's mind, and that's what we call it. We call it the teaching or the doctrine, the didascalia, the mind of God, the doctrine. When Jesus was on earth, he was always quoting from the Old Testament and teaching the Bible all the time. And then with his mind, God's mind, he could teach parables that enlightened the principles that are in the doctrine. And the Pharisees didn't like it. They wanted, his, they wanted his theological language, but he refused to use the farmer's language, 
the seeds and the birds and the banquets and the parables. Guys, because they, and they didn't understand. Guys, he's hitting the meaning of the doctrine, teaching it so well. Verse 3, for the time will come in the year 2024 when they will not endure sound doctrine. Ah, I hate it when they say that homosexuality is sinful. I hate it when they talk about adultery or lying or stealing. I hate it when they say that that, that the, there's problems in our society rooted in selfishness and, and there's anger and frustration. and Why can't they just be happy and let us alone and entertain us and have a good comedy hour in the church? Why can't they just be positive and tell us to smile and be happy? That's the kind of message I want, right? But look at what it says. The time will come when they will not, they will not endure it. They cannot tolerate it. They will walk out. They will never come back. They cannot endure it. They are not asking the question. They're not exploring the teaching. They're not serious enough about it. They're not willing to be submitted to it or humble to, in regards to God and fear God. The beginning of wisdom. Okay, but you're here today. Hey, why am I preaching to you? Because somebody on the internet might be listening and they need it, and we need it too. Okay, verse three. But after that, we all do. But after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers? They'll find a church. They'll find a teacher. They'll find a TED talk. They'll find social platform. They'll find, they'll get a group. Look at Proverbs 1. Uh, this is another little phrase I want you to remember. Proverbs 1. Let me locate the verse. Um, Uh, chapter 1 and verse. I'm looking for it. Verse 10, but that's not the one I'm looking for. Hmm. I might be wrong about where it is. It's a great verse. I better find it. You can help me. It says, though hand join in hand. Though hand, I'll write it up here. Proverbs 11.21. Thank you. 11.21. Though hand join in hand. What does it mean? You have a group of people. You're holding hands. You agree. So people look for their group, and they, they, they hold hands and agree. So you can have a majority of people believing in something wrong, and though hand joined in hand, it will not go unpunished like the Lord will, would be there. We all say, crucify him, crucify him. And we look at each other, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we're going to crucify him. Okay, that can happen. It says in the book of Deuteronomy where it says, um, don't run with a multitude to do evil. Don't get in a riotous group of people that's going to run and break windows and turn over cars. But, but it might be, might be not violent, but there's another group of people, but they are also against God. So I want to be with you guys. I want to be enduring sound doctrine. I want to be embracing it so that it will correct me 
It will guide me and quicken me, enliven us, anoint us, and we will enjoy it. So the time will come when they will turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables in verse 4 of chapter 4. Okay? Amen. So, good. I got to say that. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I have a question. Is that Tony Pilata? Tony, I thought of you. This Joey, I thought of you today, this morning. I think a lot yesterday, too. I had a nightmare about you. You were in the... No, and I thought of your mom and dad. Yeah, they love you, and wow, and here you are. Thank you. Good to see you. Have you ever done something that you hope nobody finds out about it? Okay, turn to, turn to your neighbor and, you know, make your, go ahead, talk about it. Uh, turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke. Luke, and we are at chapter 12. Chapter 12, yeah. Let me repeat. Um, of course, there are things that we don't want people to know about, but does God know about it? Yeah, he does. And that, that's where we live. We live at a place where we want to be open with God and bring things before God. Why are we like that? Why have we changed? Why are we not hiding from God? First one that hid from God was Adam. Yeah. Well, why are you hiding from God? Remember in the scripture, God said, um, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he said. Then you follow that line through the scripture, Noah, Noah, um, Samuel, Samuel. There was a, a very similar response, which was, here I am, here I am. Why, why, why the openness, why the trust, why the transparency? Because when you are born again, you have the Spirit of God and Christ in you. And that's the change. You're not hiding anymore. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. Yes, we do. And then we go to the church, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will help me be open and, and agree with God. But many people don't have that. Many people do not have that. They do not have it. So let's look at that for a moment. We're going to look at that, explain it, relate to it, and then we're going to speak about our lives. Now, chapter 12, Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So you, you know this um, word leaven or yeast. You take, it's a, you know, small, like plant, actually, that when it's warm and you put water with it and then it, it produces gas in the flower, that the gas in the flower has it rise. So you just need a little of it, but it affects the whole thing. It affects the lump of dough. We had a convention, a bunch of guys making pizza dough. They weren't good at it. They had the, the bowl in the refrigerator and within like a short time, the dough is oozing out of the rubber seal of the door of the refrigerator 
and then opening it up and then just the whole mass just, you know, move, slowly moves forward. Okay. A little bit of hypocrisy, a little bit of hypocrisy in your life is enough to mess up our life, okay? And this is what he's saying. Now, he goes deeper. He's saying it now. He's going to explain it. Look at verse 2. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. So that's a serious verse, isn't it? Nothing covered that will not be made known. When will that happen? When will it happen? When will everything that has been hidden? Did people get away with murder? Yes, people get away with murder. And stealing and lying, yeah, their whole lives, there is no justice. Justice comes later. It's called ultimate justice. It's white throne judgment justice. But we are, we are skillful at hiding and covering things. And that's the hypocrisy that we have in our heart and in our life because we live before people. But because of your new birth, you now live before God. And you welcome, this is Psalm 139, you welcome him to search you. Right, 23 and 24. So search me and see if there be any evil way with me. We are so blessed if we have this in our hearts that we bring it before the Lord. Everything, tiredness, depression, fear, guilt, hidden things. But then this incredible work of Christ, that Christ has blotted it out. He has removed it as far as the east from the west. Buried in the deepest sea is gone forever. Our sins are remembered no more. So at that judgment, white throne judgment, we don't have anything to worry about. Because if we have confessed, I mean, in our life, number one, in an absolute sense, our sins are removed and blotted out. Our sins are gone. Past, present, future. Okay? All right? So all of our sin, everything, all of it, gone. Every, in an absolute sense. So even, let me say something that maybe you don't know, but we, we all are, are like, when... You have two things, my sin, and I have the charge. It's called like a charge against my sin. So let me write this down. I just, the charge, it's like a legal charge. This is Romans 8. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? So where's the charge? Okay. It's my conscience. There's a couple. It's the conscience of a man can be a charge against him. The devil can make a charge against me and accuse me. And then number three, the law is a charge against me. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. It's written here in the law. So you have borne false witness. You have lied. So now, now I confess my sin to God. And then added to that, the charge itself is nailed to the cross. And that's in Colossians 2, 14. I'm going to turn there with me and read that, please. Colossians 2. 14 and 15. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, 
which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So this is something that um, that we we don't I don't know that we understand that even the law is nailed to the cross with Jesus. So where is the charge? There isn't any charge against us. The charge is nailed to the cross. What about my sin? It's been blotted out. It's gone. So there isn't any ground to find me condemned. There's a charge, but then, then there is no... The charge is nailed to the cross. And then the sin itself went on Jesus' body. And, and the sin itself has been blotted out by uh, the blood of Christ so that we are free. Okay, now let's go back to um, this uh, reality about my sin. Now let's say I'm going to, through a patch in my life of uh, pride and hiding the pride or not acknowledging it. I'm somehow deceived or blinded. So I live a, I live a carnal life as a Christian. That um, will, will that carnal life have an effect on me at the judgment, the Bema Seat judgment? And the answer is yes, but I'll not be condemned because my sin is washed away and the charge against me has been nailed to the cross. So what happens is, is that when I come before God, it's kind of like a light switch goes off. You're in a dark room, light switch goes off, and you realize something. You realize that you know, part of my life was wasted, that I was blinded, or that I, I realized that, um, wow, I'm, I'm in the presence of God, and what this means is incredible to me. I realize I'm, I'm running the race. It's kind of like somebody, some, an athlete runs a race and he always wins. Then he runs against a real runner, and he comes in seventh place. And it's like, whoa, reality is I'm not as good as I thought I was. That's like a believer that goes to heaven and has Bema Seed judgment. But the fact that I realize I come in seventh place instead of first place all the time is a good thing, and I welcome it. I welcome the reality. I welcome the check on my life. So we have two uh, judgments that we relate to as believers. One is called the Bema Seed judgment, and this is the Greek word, and it means a, a judgment seat. And it, the best example that I, can, that I know of is uh, a tennis match with the judge on a chair at the end of the net, and he calls fault. You know, he's a judge. But it's not condemnation, it's just reality is that the serve went outside. So he makes a call. And the Bema Seat judgment for the believer is like that. You thought you were like so great, but actually at the Bema Seat you realize what, what reality says about me. And the reality says about me that I, I realize there's a loss here. I'm not as great as I thought I was, type of thing, okay? That means for us that we are eager to come before God's reality and be submitted to him. We know the benefit. We realize that if I could agree with God, then, then that means I'm walking in the light. This is First John 1, verses 7 to 9. Turn there with me, please.
1 John 1, 7 to 9. But if we walk in the light, it doesn't mean that I'm walking perfectly. It just means I'm walking in the light. It, it, we don't, I don't think of the word perfect in life. I just think of, of, of being in the light. You know, stumbling along, but I'm in the light. You know, I'm, I'm living in the light. I'm not afraid of the darkness. You know, how, how there are certain insects that love the darkness. And you go out in a field and turn over a, a field stone and you see all the bugs there and they go scatter when the light comes. That's sometimes for believers. They don't want it. They don't want it. So they don't have fellowship. But if they are saved, they are saved. They will be going to heaven. But they're going to realize when they come into that light, oh, I wish I had lived in the light while I was on the earth. I wish I had agreed with God by faith when I was on the earth. That would have been an eternal benefit. But now I am saved even as by, uh, by his grace and my spirit is saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 5. Okay, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And that's a key that you really have a connection with each other, that we really have fellowship one with another. The same spirit, the same love. But couldn't we be hypocrites and appear to be? No, there's a difference. You can be socially capable of interacting with people, talking and exchanging, but it's not the same as this word fellowship. This fellowship is a oneness that can't be replicated by the flesh. This is a oneness in the spirit. This is what you have because of love and the spirit filling us. When the spirit fills us, we have fellowship one with another. That's why we also don't mind hanging out with each other. And we feel the connection. We, we feel there's oneness. This is what Jesus prayed in John 17, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. This is what draws us to the church. It's the fellowship. Yes, churches can be more like social, yes. But if we are submitted to the doctrine and submitted in humility to God and to each other in love, then we have fellowship. We have fire. We have spiritual fire in our life and oneness. And I can sense it. You and I can sense it when we have fellowship with each other. Verse um, 7, another thing that happens. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, let's look at that for a minute. What does it say? The blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't see blood anywhere. No. We don't, we don't see it. But that blood has authority over us. And, and when I have, it says all sin, all sin. Well, what, what, what does it mean? It means that there are sins that are known in your life. And then there are sins in your life that are unknown by you. I don't know that I'm proud at the moment. I don't know that. But I am. God could say God knows. But, but I'm in fellowship because the blood cleanses me of the sins I know about and the sins I don't know about. Because sin isn't only what you do, but also what you don't do. Like you don't care about people. I don't care about people, but I don't really realize that it may be a blind spot. I don't really care about the unbeliever or care about a relative or I don't really care about you, for example. Well, what happens when we walk in the light? When we bring ourselves before God in faith and in our fellowship 
we are being cleansed. And we are in fellowship with each other. And it edifies us. And the sins, all sin, all sin in your life is washed away by the blood of Christ in our lives. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. It's a very good indication of pride, isn't it? And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, those are the known ones, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how we live now. This is how you live. You can write those verses down and memorize them and walk in them all your life. This one. You can say, I might have good Bema seat judgment when I come before God because on the earth I walk in the light. And he's helping me. He's using me. He's anointing me. He's encouraging me. He's answering prayer. I'm in the body of Christ. I'm in the fellowship in the light, in the doctrine that is enlightening our minds and our hearts and helping us live before God. So that if you are told tomorrow, tomorrow you're going to die and you're going to face God, and how do you react to that? There's a couple ways. Like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Okay. How about... Yeah, I got some hidden things in my heart, in my life. I think I better do business with God. I'm going to see him tomorrow. I can bring it before God. And somebody else might say, yeah, I'm ready. I've been walking in the light in some degree. He's been taking care of me on the earth. And in his love is assuring me. Let's read. It's exactly what it says in 1 John 4. Turn there with me. 1 John 4, it says, um, at the end of chapter 4, where are we? Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. What do you mean? Yeah. My love, our love, walking in the light, we're walking in love. He is forgiving us. And in the day of judgment, we have boldness. So it goes like this. Tomorrow you're going to die. Okay. Yeah, let's go. I got boldness in the day of judgment. Well, how did you get the boldness? Don't you, aren't you hiding stuff? Aren't you afraid to meet God? Don't you know that everything covered is going to be uncovered and everything? Yeah, as far as I know, everything I've been covering, I brought to the light. Everything's been covered, washed, cleansed. I'm good to go. I'm going to have boldness in that day. That's like a calculated. That's kind of, that's the, you, that's what the text is saying. Let's look at it. Chapter Four, verse 18, well, 17. Because as he is, so are we, where? In this world. How did you get it in this world? Huh? You mean you walk with Jesus in this world, and you are like him? And when you see him, like you are actually going to be very comfortable with him, because as he is, so are we now in this world. Hmm. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, because of time, I'm going to jump to the end here. There's a lot that can be said in this, but here it is. It's chapter 6, Revelation 6. Can we do that? Yes, we can. I'm in charge, I guess, up here. <laughs> so, Revelation chapter 6, 15. And the kings of the earth, the great men, and the rich men. 
Now this, this, this 500, the, the big guys, the richest men in the world, everybody, the chief captains of the uh, NFL football teams. Yeah, that's a joke. And the mighty men, and every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lord. Do you know what? I just want to, this is so good, but I want to say something to us as we love people, evangelize, and share our faith. Why don't you bring it to their attention? How's it going to go for you on Judgment Day? How's it going to go for you on Judgment Day? Do you believe there's a judgment? No, there's no judgment. Okay. That's one way of thinking. But there are people that have been murdered, ripped off. There are people that have been, there have been leaders that have committed genocides. There are, there's pride and arrogance in our face all the time, everywhere. Is there anywhere where everything wrong will be made right? Will there ever be a day when every, every lie will be out, brought out? It, will there be? You can just say this to somebody sitting in a coffee shop, and you can talk about Judgment Day. Do you believe in it? I do. What do you mean? I believe that every lie, every murder, every betrayal, every bit of treachery, every thought, everything that is covered now will be made manifest. Why did they hide? They can't handle it. They can't find a place to hide. Did it happen in Revelation 20, verse 12, no, 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was no, found no place for them. I want to hide. I, I can't, people commit suicide because they, they want to hide, one reason. They think if they, if they can take their life, they'll cease to exist. There'll be no more. No. Life goes on forever. I want to hide. I want to get away from this reality. Will you go to another one that's severe? I mean, in your context, what you need is this gift. God is crying out to you. God is crying out to you. And Jesus said to the hypocrites, he said there was a great multitude of people around Jesus so much that they were stepping on each other. And so you can imagine there's a huge mass of people of all kinds and the Pharisees there. And he said, beware of these people. Their hypocrisy for everything hidden will be made manifest. And, you know, sometimes we want to hear that. I want to hear because you're a victim. Somebody got murdered in Russia recently. And all of these things that may happen in the course of a day on the earth. And judgment day is coming. And they will run and hide. But there won't be a place for them. And that's what it says here. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened. What are the books, plural? Books were opened. What are those books? Is it all these hidden things? Is it all this hypocrisy? Is it all of these things that people live that like got away with it? They got away with it. Now they cannot get away with it. It's in a book. Amazing. Shocking. Touches my heart. And I think about it. And I think that, that in the course of our lives, I think that's something that we can bring to attention to people. Is there a judgment day? And what will it be like? And what will happen on that day?
And I know that you just, we all hide. I mean, I do it, we all do it, we all just hide. We want to hide our stuff and hide our life. And we're just, we're just good at hiding and giving, projecting another image. This is me, you know, this is me and I'm hiding. But the gifts that you have and I have isn't some skill that we have. It's the person of Christ in your heart. That you can be you can be who you are. And you are who you are before God. And in the day of judgment you are bold. You're not hiding. You're like, here I am. Noah, Noah, here I am. Here I am. What do you have for me? I want you to build an ark. What's the size? Here I am. I'm available. If you and I live that kind of life, we are the most blessed people on the earth. That we are living in the light. If you and I live like that now, then undoubtedly, we go before God and we will see who we are and not be ashamed. But just say, yup, that's who we are by the grace of God. We have been made righteous, and our life has great value. And so let us have compassion on those that are hiding. Let us give them the message of grace. Let us love them, minister to them, and counsel them to find Jesus. Because the day is coming. No one can stand at the white throne. Okay. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this meditation this morning. Around the world, we have the gospel that people would be born again and find you and know you. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.